everyone. I'm Rosanna, and this is AFL Obsessed. I can't believe it's already July 20th. I know, I'm always surprised with every month passing by, but how are we at round 19 already? (laughs) This last week kind of flew by for me. I feel like I was just recording, and now we're back with another episode. But what has also been crazy is just how quickly everything changes, literally in a snap. So the fixture has been in flux for a bit after the weekend with pending confirmations. Some of the matches had to be postponed, canceled. I think a couple are TBD at this time. Hopefully they'll be confirmed by the time we release this. And there's currently a COVID crowd overhaul for the league to contend with at the moment, reviewing whether or not to let larger footy crowds back in Melbourne post lockdown with kind of fears of the Delta strain spread. So there's definitely reflections of last season with the footy fixture, footy festival, fixture cramming, and kind of all these last minute changes. If there's anything we've learned, it's that we can all be adaptable and agile during season. And everyone has to be ready for changes, including us as fans. So I'm just so grateful that the AFL has been able to bounce around and accommodate anything and everything that gets thrown their way, and we're still somehow getting our entertainment. But before we get to everything, just a little quick revisit of the last epi on my end. So in my last episode, I talked about NADOC Week, and I read aloud what the acronym actually stands for. I've done some more research since, and I was not aware of using another version of Aboriginal. I'm really sorry. Just being American, I was completely ignorant and unaware of using this version of the word Aboriginal was even offensive. So I will do my best to educate myself further and I'll make sure not to use that word again. On a lighter note, speaking of misses, and just walk with me on this one, So the last time that Andrew and I were at MSG, Madison Square Garden, I we were watching a basketball game and I ran to the bathroom, I think at halftime. And they do this like who's who in the house for famous peeps on like the Jumbotron typically. And I missed at that point Hugh Jackman. And I know you guys know how much I adore Hugh Jackman. I love him. This is as much a Hugh Jackman appreciation pod (laughs) as a footy podcast. It was kind of a huge moment that my friends have not let me live down since. And I just couldn't believe that that happened. Anyways, fast forward to last Thursday. So we had tickets to see the Colbert show since we love Stephen Colbert. We went previously. Have I talked about this? It was a very long experience. We didn't realize that the day coincided with the State of the Union address in America, which I wasn't planning to watch. And we ended up being trapped in the studio on site. They wouldn't let us out. We had to watch like the opening with a hype person, the entire speech and an entire segment before the actual show that they wrote during the speech. So the taping lasted until 2 a.m. and they closed off all the bathrooms. Just it was a whole thing. Honestly, (laughs) tapings for shows are really fun and I've had really great experiences. Would I have done that specific show again for that specific event? I don't know. So I had a bit of a migraine 
last Thursday, I was feeling really off from the day before with the heat. And I was running around for work and kind of doing all these errands. So we actually canceled our tickets and we just decided we'll go again in future. And then we watched the show in the evening because I was just curious, you know, what we missed out on. And who do they announce as the guest? Hugh Jackman. (laughs) So they could have literally had anyone else in the universe and it had to be him. (laughs) So anyway, Hugh, I love you. And thanks everyone for just letting me have a therapy moment on the pod. (laughs) And um, Andrew actually insisted that I tell the story, but I just, I don't know. I just really needed a moment. (laughs) But Hugh actually talked about being here since he has been here the entire time for the pandemic and also kind of what it was like to go back to Australia, I think, for a quick visit and he had to quarantine. But let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in New York City and also in Australia. On a more fun note, Andrew and I actually spent the day Saturday in Jersey with our friends Michelle and Frank and a group of friends that I went to childhood camp with. It was the biggest group of friends I think we've hung out with since the pandemic started. I think there were maybe 12 of us. And our friends had just purchased their first place. So it was just a really fun catch up and a housewarming and just a hang that felt so different from how we've spent like the entire last year plus. Okay, so I don't know if you guys watch Hot Ones, but it's this really entertaining YouTube show I've been watching for years. I think there's actually like 15 seasons now where this really insightful host asks like pretty great questions. And he kind of does that while the guest samples like a plate of progressively hotter hot wings. (laughs) And I think there's like 10 in total. I think the tagline is it's a hot show with even hotter wings. And they have really like famous people from all industries as the guests. So I think my favorite guest on there was Gordon Ramsay. Check it out on YouTube if you haven't. I would love to get some AFL players on that show and maybe a coach or two just to see how they hang in the hot seat, you know, maybe even like Damo. (laughs) So anyway, we all sent Frank our, like we all sent Frank hot sauces for his birthday. So he kind of busted some of those out. Andrew's a big fan of the show. So he and Frank decided they wanted to try some of these pretty potent sauces. And Frank has a whole collection now, some of which are featured on the show. So they kind of decided to try them towards the end of the day. And honestly, everyone just kind of sat down and any anyone who was still there. And we all just kind of decided to either watch or participate. So the guys were dipping the kind of chicken drumsticks that they had in the sauce and I was just like no I don't think I want to do that but maybe I'll just try like a finger swipe or something big mistake the first sauce that we tried pineapple I don't know if you guys have tried this it felt just really metallic and like this immediate punch in the gut like I felt like the whole front half of my tongue had seared off and was gone so I was like I'm out And that was just like the one out of the two that they really wanted to bust out. Again, I made the mistake of not diluting it with anything. And then they moved on to the second one, which is called Da Bomb. I think it's like the eighth sauce in the lineup of the show. And, you know, some of the guys were like, oh, it's not as bad as the first one. Like, I don't even feel anything. There's no immediate reaction. So again, I was like, oh, well, maybe I can handle it then. 
So I did like another finger swipe. I can't even tell you the pain that I was in. It consumed my entire mouth. I didn't even feel any. It was just heat right away. And my entire like esophagus was on fire. It. I honestly was like, do I need to seek medical attention immediately? I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> so I think I had a fairly bland palate growing up. I prefer like the green spices to red. But yeah, that was just kind of a little bit of a spicy adventure on the weekend. Um, Thanks for listening to my random sidebars, by the way. But please let me know if you watch that show, if you have a sauce collection. I'm actually looking to build one for Andrew, but maybe we just like won't be including the two that I just mentioned. On a different note, I do think, though, that we're probably a couple of weeks away from wearing masks all the time now ourselves in the city. San Francisco actually has a directive that they've had to start wearing them again following the last few days. I know the Delta strain is really pervasive. At the same time that, like, Canada is reopening their borders to American citizens, I think they're going to start that for fully vaccinated peeps on August 9th and for anyone from other countries September 8th. So hopefully we're all collectively trending in that direction. And Melbourne went into a snap five-day lockdown. So last weekend that happened, and it's been extended, I think, until the 27th. And South Australia actually joined New South Wales and Melbourne too. They went into a snap seven-day lockdown. So Port Adelaide and the Crows had to literally race out of Adelaide to Victoria. I think the Crows were expected to host Hawthorne on Saturday and the Power was supposed to play Collingwood at the Adelaide Oval, I think on Friday. So the location of both games right now is TBD. So hopefully we'll get that all worked out in the next day or two because the round is coming. (laughs) But now let's get to footy and on to act one with AFL headlines and highlights for round 18. I'm going for those high notes like whistle reg like heights. So for the Richmond versus Brisbane game. It was Jack Rewalt's 300th. So Richmond really gutted it out for him. They had four previous losses. And I think everyone was just watching like what's going to happen. They're playing Brisbane. I think it was as much a story for honestly Richmond winning as well as Brisbane losing. The game actually had to be pushed back for like 15 minutes because both teams hit heavy traffic just trying to get to the game in their trip down from Brisbane. But Rewalt played his best game of the year. And it was a really exciting game, but it came at a pretty high cost. And I really hate to even think about this or even have to say it, but in the third quarter, just reliving this moment where Dusty had a pretty rough collision with Mitch Robinson, and who's like already sporting like a war bandage on his head. And Dusty just immediately grabbed like his ribs and he genuinely is one of the most poker face players out there. So for him to be winded, I think is just what he told the doctors, but it was just really concerning. And he ended up having to leave the field due to the injury. So it's not something we typically see. I just had a feeling that he must have been in a great deal of pain. And we know now that he's still in a Gold Coast hospital after suffering a kidney injury. So he lacerated his kidney. I mean, I can't even imagine just what 
he was experiencing. Um, I just really hope he's okay. But just for him to tell the doctors he was winded. I mean, I can't even imagine the pain tolerance that Dusty has, but all the best to him. It is a really brutal sport. And that was just kind of one of those harsh reminders. In the Melbourne versus Hawthorne game, the headline following this game was just dead even in dead silence. So the D's and Hawks in an eerie draw. So both of the teams had to play to a completely empty stadium. And it just wasn't the game you'd expect for first versus 17th. I think everyone expected Melbourne to kind of win and they were on track to win. They were just a goal up like in the last two minutes. And you're thinking, okay, they're just going to hang on to this. In the last minute, around 45 seconds, Bruce kicked a goal to tie the score. So it was a pretty big comeback for the Hawks. I mean, they were almost like 30 points down. I think they were like 27 points down in the second quarter. And they also had like third gamer Ned Reeves up against the mighty Ghani. So that was a pretty impressive draw. I know that that was just one of those games that was completely unexpected for me. And the Swans won the Derby. So they're such a wild card team. I'm so excited to see how they're going to play out the rest of their season. We only have a few weeks left. And as I said, I still think they're going to be in the eight when we get to the end of home and away. In the North versus the Essendon game, because I always have some notes about what we play, we actually had to leave Victoria, as did North, even though a bunch of other teams got to stay in play. So I know there was a lot of questions, but it's not about like who you're necessarily playing. It's about who you're playing in future too and kind of how to prep for that. Again, not a super exciting game necessarily, but you know, I still watched it. The start time was kind of what I wish every game would start around. I think it was like 10.30 p.m. <laughs> on our Saturday. So after a very full day, I got this game in too. I think we had below zero pressure at one point, which is something I didn't even know could happen. There was a real lack of intensity in the game. <laughs> so I think there were plenty of passengers on our end that were just kind of along for the ride. But we managed to kind of gut it out in the end, and I'm really happy. And for a brief moment, we were seventh on the ladder. So I'll happily take in a win and like an eighth spot on the ladder. <laughs> But honestly, my favorite moment from the game was during the theme song sing. I know it's super random. I always love watching that. I think we all do if your team wins. And Pidge was there. I think it was Hind who called McGraw and just had him on FaceTime. So he was kind of like along <laughs> for that big moment too for the team. So I've always said, even from, I think, episode one, how much I really love the camaraderie when it comes to this sport. And I love how all the players are always posting on their socials about like each other's big wins. I just really love that. And I really love like that team culture. And I feel like you can just really feel it outside of the comp. So I'm really happy for them. <laughs> In terms of headlines, one, the G was an exposure site at the MCC section after someone who they later found out to test positive attended the Carlton versus Geelong match in round 17. And number two, six Swans players and staff, along with nine Giants players and staff, are now in isolation in Queensland after attending a rugby game 
at Melbourne's Amy Park. And that's also been named as an exposure site. And that actually affected some players, too. I know Andy McGraw, like, is injured right now, so he can't play. But it does affect Toby Green, who was not able to play in the Giants game on the weekend. And he's going to miss this weekend, too. Considering the fact that he's playing us, I just have to be like, oh, no. Number three, Lockie Neal had an injury during training in the last day. So it's kind of touch and go. It's really scary for Brisbane since their injury list is kind of stacking up. I hope he'll be okay. And we're kind of just waiting for word. Four, the AFLW draft is next week. So that should be really exciting. I'm looking forward to that. And five, just the battle for Collingwood's coaching position has been tied to some pretty big names. So I'm really interested to see like what direction they take. I think Ross Lyon, Don Pike, and Michael Voss are kind of the big three in consideration. At least those are the names that have kind of been rolling around. But what did you guys think of the round? And what do you think about the coaches for Collingwood? And how are you just feeling about your team since we're kind of nearing the end here? I'd love to know your thoughts. My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook. Okay, it's intermission, so during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. So for the Olympics, a couple of American Olympic athletes have tested positive for COVID. There was a gymnast for the women's team and a men's basketball player, and they were both vaccinated prior to. I think the surprise to me was just finding out that the American Olympians were not required to get the vaccine. We didn't require them to do that before they went. But I think even greater than that is just Japan not requiring incoming athletes to be vaccinated either. I think just to protect their population. I know we've been kind of going on and on about like COVID safety measures, um, but I just really think it's kind of coming back and blowing up. A lot of people are testing positive now regardless of whether or not you're going to have a crowd. I mean, the Olympics are starting in days, so I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I think when this does happen, you are not able to practice and people might be actually missing their events. So hopefully that doesn't happen. As for baseball, there has been kind of a banned rule in baseball there's been a rule that has never changed but it just hasn't been enforced so I don't know if you guys have seen that the pitchers have kind of been using this sticky substance on balls I think it's called spider tack or on their hands excuse me to it's kind of like this open secret that they use the sticky substance on their hands to get like a better grip on the ball to get more spin on their pitches so I think that when the season started in spring, scoring was particularly low this season. I think we talked in the last episode about some other challenges that baseball kind of has been feeling. So they've kind of cracked down and enforced the rule starting from June 3rd. And we're seeing like this immediate rise now in scoring. So the New York Times had this article where they investigated and tracked kind of the revolutions on the spin of the balls, like by pitcher. And it's something that they were checking before. They've always been counting that. And it's something that they also measured deliberately after this enforcement. 
and they have a list of pitchers who have been kind of most impacted by the enforcement because it's truly like lessened in terms of revolutions. So it kind of like implied, you know, the pitchers who were maybe using like this spider tack or whatever. Luckily, no Mets players <laughs> wound up on the list. So what up to DeGrom? He's the real deal, <laughs> just in case uh, people weren't aware. But yeah, it's just not something that they enforced previously. I think they were thinking that pitchers were just becoming too dominant. So they did crack down on it and scores are going up. It does remind me of the AFL cracking down on rules whenever there's too much of like a congestion and the games are becoming too low scoring. So it reminds me of all the things they did at the beginning of this season to kind of open up the game. And yeah, I just feel like the modifications and rules honestly really help to increase scoring. So, I mean, it'll just be really interesting to see what rules may be adopted after this season too, since scoring is starting to kind of like lessen two in the AFL. But now we're on to act two, where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues. So there was an article in the Herald Sun, and it was called AFL 2021, the weekly $6 million COVID sledgehammer beating down on the under siege competition. And it was written by Michael Warner and Glenn McFarlane. And it kind of really just gave us all like this glimpse of how challenging the season really has been and really what's been happening too with the competition. So apparently the AFL is losing around five million to six million a week because of everything that's been happening now. And I think that that's because there's no hub to kind of stabilize the comp. They're having to charter flights now to accommodate lockdowns and players and playing groups. And they also have to just kind of book these really last minute flights to just fly people around. So I think that the cost really does keep going up. So there is this chat about how that doesn't include other industry losses, which are caused by like the current ban on crowds, including the lost gate earnings for like that they make at the gate and other like match day revenues, which are really crucial to the bottom line of the comps like 18 clubs. So I guess this season has actually been more challenging than last season. As I said, there's just no hubs to stabilize. They do have to arrange those flights at a moment's notice, chartering flights even. So I think the reason why the club is so determined to keep the comp going, even if they can't have crowds, is because the $400 million plus per year media rights deal accounts for 60% of the AFL's total revenue, which I don't know what the further breakdown of that is, but the article did kind of just educate us about like where some of the money's going, what's been happening. And again, the complications this year that they're dealing with somehow, I don't think we saw this coming, are just even more complicated than last season when there was only an 82-day shutdown. I mean, that's pretty huge and like a loss of five rounds completely. So at this point in time, there's no guarantee for the Cash Cow Final Series. There's no guarantee about where the Grand Final will even be played at this time. And there's just no guarantee for crowds or any further restrictions on capacity 
if they open that up to peeps like in Melbourne and in other places going forward that are currently under lockdown. So it's just like this really interesting conversation of how the next season will be affected. And I know that they've talked about how the salary cap, the soft sal cap may potentially go up this year or for next season at the same time. My understanding honestly is very limited. I think you know, the salary cap, like for players, that's a hard cap to me. But a soft cap, I feel like for other things, like staff, et cetera, I think you can go above it in the AFL, but you do have to pay a penalty if you do. So please let me know if I'm wrong here. That's just kind of my limited understanding. I think if the soft cap is increased next year, Clubs that are in good financial position can potentially spend more because I think they're saying they'll make some exemptions like medical related things so that you're able to kind of spend more in those areas. I'm not really sure how that will go. I'm really I know we're all just kind of waiting. I don't want to say with bated breath, but we're all waiting to see how the rest of the rounds will play out. I know we're so close to the end but again, everything is just kind of up in the air. We really don't know where games are going to be played, um, even the times. And I think it's going to be like last year where I think we all assumed that the grand final was going to be at the G, but now it may be moved. So now it's the after show. So I'm actually really looking forward to this weekend, the cream of the crop spot. I'm really looking forward to the two top teams just battling it out for that top rung on the ladder. And that's going to be on Saturday. So I'm going to be staying up for that. I think it starts really early. But arguably the funniest story to come across my timeline that I just really had to share with you guys because I really love creative pursuits and I really support the arts <laughs> but there's just a really funny story that I kind of came across this week and I feel like I mean they say like beauty is in the eye of the beholder but what if you can't even see like what you're judging I know it sounds like a leverage like tv show plot so an Italian artist sold an invisible piece of artwork for a huge sum, I think an art house estimated at auction that the piece would go for around seven to 11,000. <laughs> Are you guys listening to me? I mean, we're not even talking about like non-fungible tokens here. So he actually ended up selling the piece for over 18,000. And the piece, if you look at a photo, is just like this five by five foot taped like on the ground, just this square. And according to the artist, he says, you know, you don't see it, but it exists. Like it's made of air and spirit. <laughs> so it exists only in his imagination. I mean, I'm, I was just completely astounded by this. And then I found out that this is the third piece that he has sold this year. So apparently I'm in the wrong field, guys. <laughs> um, I don't know like what his process is, or maybe if he tells you know, whoever he's selling these for, like how much lead time does he need to kind of create this? Honestly, I don't even know like what he's creating. And apparently art collectors are buying this. So in exchange for like over 18,000 that they're paying money for, they get like a certificate of authentication. 
I mean, it just reminds me of when Andrew and I went to this contemporary art museum in L.A. I think it was like the Hammer Museum. And I remembered one of the last exhibit sites that we saw. And I mean, you guys, I love museums. I love contemporary art. I love all kinds of art. But there was a wall that was completely lined up with it looked almost like the home edit, just a bunch of vertical bins. And they all had varying levels of cereal in them. And next to the wall, I mean, it's this huge wall. I'm going to have to see if I can find a photo just to tell you guys. The photo with like the info about the artwork was just a list of all the serial names. <laughs> so again, I think I'm in the wrong field. I just had to share that. Let me know your thoughts on that um, and also what we're going to do about that. And if we need to be creating artwork too. <laughs> But thanks so much, guys, for sharing a part of your day with me and keeping me company. So hopefully I'm doing that for part of your day. And that's it for me. <laughs> thanks again for listening, rating, and subscribing, everyone. And thanks for hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. <laughs> we'll get through this like footy. I'm virtually hugging you, and we'll talk footy soon. <laughs>